audio check. Now, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And now, if you're not completely satisfied, a few words from better than ever in your neighborhood. <laughs> You'll be amazed. <laughs> Everything pharmacy. Hey guys, and welcome to RX Radio, a podcast about everything pharmacy. On this episode, we're going to get the take of a critical care pharmacy resident, uh, Dr. Dominic Curry. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm originally from Indianapolis, Indiana. I lived there until about high school, moved down here. I uh, went to college in Orlando at University of Central Florida, where I did my undergrad. Then I went on to uh, the University of Florida at the Orlando campus where I completed my PharmD um, before I started my residency in Orlando as well. Uh, the way I got into pharmacy, kind of a kind of a back way into it, I was just in undergrad. I needed a job to pay for my new car that I got, <laughs> and I just kind of applied everywhere. And uh, this is back before you needed a license to be a technician. So CVS kind of just hired me and put me into into the pharmacy, and I kind of took off from there. Nice. Before it was all said and before it was all said and done, I did the, um, about eight years of uh, work in the uh, community setting before I decided to move into the hospital. Um, and then the other thing I feel like I should mention because you might hear them in the background. Uh, I'm a proud owner of six birds um, <laughs> that you know drive us crazy sometimes, but most of the time they just make us laugh. So. Yeah. What kind of birds are they again? They're like little uh, songbirds, like they're called finches. They're Australian yeah. finches. They're like, we started with two. Um, there was a male and a female, but now after witnessing the miracle of life, life we have happened. six. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, I must say that was an excellent tell me about yourself. Like p- listeners, you like rewind that and take notes because that is exactly how you do it. That was an excellent intro for yourself, sir. So, uh, for the best. <laughs> Why did you want to do a residency, especially being someone that has that did community for you know eight eight years? You said what? Why did you want to do a residency? Well, first thing that um, I think I should say, kind of about myself, is I'm a huge believer in um, moving with purpose and and ignoring your personal why and like what you want to accomplish out of the things that you do in your life. So um, I knew early on that you know, what I wanted to get out of my career and what I wanted to be able to do was to just have as big an impact as possible. Um, and, you know, there's many ways you can have an impact. Um, but one of the most important things is that whatever you're doing, you're interested in and you're engaged in. So, you know, you'll, you'll want to do the things that you need to do to, in order to have that impact. So, you know, during school, I, I found that uh, clinical pharmacy, hospital pharmacy is something that just really kind of piqued my interest and really engaged me. And that kind of got reinforced on my rotations because mm-hmm. I did a pretty heavy slate of uh, clinical rotations. Mm-hmm. And I just, I kind of saw the, you know, the pharmacist role in direct patient care um, as well as like their role in uh, the organizational guidelines and protocols and things like that. And I just saw that, you know, those are the things that I'm really interested in. And those are the things I feel like I could be good at. So I just yeah. kind of knew that that's where I wanted to go. So that's a real higher but, level, um, you know, uh, practice, whereas you're not, I mean, obviously you'll, you'll definitely be dealing with patient to patient care, but that's, you know, what you're looking at for your future is definitely like at a higher, more, uh, high, higher level view of, of, of pharmacy practice, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot of ways to have impact. It's, it's, it's also, you know, you have the direct patient care where you have that individual impact when you're on daily rounds, for instance, mm-hmm. but there's also, 
you know, when you're um, residency trained and you become a specialist in an area, you have the opportunity to be involved in like uh, state and national organizations that that put out like the guidelines that we use to make our clinical decisions. And the people that are involved in developing those guidelines are, you know, physicians and pharmacists and people that are experts in this field. And, and if you become an expert like that, then you can have the opportunity to, to be someone that can really affect millions of patients, not just that, you know, individual patient on UC on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. And being a, you know, being a critical care pharmacy resident, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, uh, name that being a successful pharmacy resident, <laughs> especially after doing a PGY one. <laughs> uh, what kind of advice do you have for uh, students that are in school now that uh, want to prepare to uh, to do a residency? What what's going to be important for them to, to be a good candidate? Well, I think um, I think something really that it kind of sounds um, like simple, but I don't think it's something that a lot of people really focus on, and that's you know. Why do you why do you want to do a residency? What is your actual mindset? Like, what do you want to get out of a residency? Is it that you just don't want to work in community? Is it that you really you know enjoy patient care? Is it you know you really want to get the the best out of your degree or or whatever it is? But once you can define clearly why you want to do a residency, then that will lead to all the things that you'll need to do to be become successful. So as a student. You're not gonna, it's going to be really hard to know like what specific job that you want. But you can know, you know the things you want to get out of your career. And you can prepare yourself for all the potential options that, and paths that that could lead you down. So you know, as, a, as a student, the one thing you have to realize is when you're a resident, you're going to be faced with you know, just a multitude of uh, situations and experiences that you're unprepared for, that you're going to be uncomfortable in. And the, the more things you can do to diversify your experiences as a student, the more um, experience you're going to have to draw upon when you're in those scenarios as a resident. So that, that means like doing research and being involved in leadership organizations where you're in charge of people and you're in charge of meeting deadlines and you have to work with others and also handling, you know, your school responsibilities and work responsibilities. And um, as much as you can do to, to develop time management skills um, and organization skills, the the better off you're going to be. So it's kind of just like, if you know that you want to go down the residency path, the first of all, you have to be able to get a residency, right? And to be yeah. able to get a residency, you need to be an attractive candidate. To be an attractive candidate, you need to have uh, a pretty well-developed CV and pretty well-developed purpose of like why you're going into a residency. Yeah. So you have to kind of, take that step back at the higher level picture of, you know, you and your purpose and then think about the how and the what, you know, how, how am I going to do, uh, how am I going to prepare myself to achieve my why and what will that lead to? And then if you can think about it in that direction, sort of starting with the core purpose and the things that will come up as opportunities, you just have to ask yourself, okay, will this help me achieve my purpose? So, you know, if you have an opportunity to run for a position, a leadership position, you're probably pretty busy with school. You might think that you don't have enough time to do it or, you know, yeah. you don't want to take on the responsibility or you may not feel prepared, but that's all, that's all your mind kind of getting in the way. But if you know at the core, I know this is uncomfortable for me and this will make me better. Yeah. Then you'll do it. And that's kind of what I did during school, um, during pharmacy school, because going into pharmacy school, you know, uh, I'm going to make a disclaimer in undergrad. I was not an involved person. You know, I was, <laughs> I, was I, I think I went to one pre-farm 
society meeting so that I could say that I was in the pre-farm society. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really have <laughs> resume a good, check. A good, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't really have a good uh, mindset in undergrad. But then I came into pharmacy school and I surrounded myself with great leaders and people that I looked up to that pushed me and pushed me into my you know uncomfortable areas. Mm-hmm. And I started to see that okay, by doing those things that I'm maybe not as great at or maybe not think that I'm as great at, mm-hmm. um, it's making me better. And if you do things the right way in that fashion, like you do it in a way to make yourself better and not to say, you know, fill out your CV, for instance. Yeah. Then while you're in that position, if you're thinking about, I'm doing this as much as I can to make myself better, you're going to be successful because you're going to do the things that should be done for you to be successful because you know that by you doing a good job, you're going to be better. And by mm-hmm. you being better, you're going to be more prepared to be successful going forward. But if you're going the other direction, like you're, you're using it as more of a what, like, okay, this position looks good on my CV. Once you're in that position, you know, whether you are successful or not, it's still on your CV. Yeah. So if that's your only motivation, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to grow from that experience and you're not going to be a good resident down the line. Yeah. I mean, um, especially when it comes really down to it, if you need to speak to being on in that position or being in that role, it's going to be very difficult if you really only did it for that what. Right, exactly. And, you know, the more that um, you can kind of get out of the, the just the CV building mindset, which I think it, it seems like it's the same thing. You know, it seems like if I do a lot of things, then I will look good and I'll get a residency versus if I do things with a purpose, it doesn't sound, it's like a subtle difference. But um, as someone that has seen both scenarios now as a PGY2, like going through the recruitment process last year where we mm-hmm. were interviewing candidates, and looking at people that look the same on paper, but when you talk to them, you can tell who actually put effort into the, what they did and who did it as, you know, more of a CV builder. And you can tell that which one's going to be more successful. Yeah. You know, you can just, you can just, I get that. You can get, and I'm not even an experienced recruiter, you know, let alone a residency director that's interviewed hundreds or, you know, thousands of candidates in the past. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, if you're doing things the right way, it will work out for you. And that's, yeah. that's kind of what I've always been taught you know, just growing up with from my parents and, you know, doing things the right way, even when people aren't looking, yeah. you know, that's how you get better. That's how you will be better. That's how when you step into that uncomfortable scenario, you have the right thought processes and habits and things that will make you successful or you don't have to know how to do everything. You'll have the right process to get you to that point to be able yeah. to do everything. Yeah, definitely. What should people expect to get out of a residency? Uh, there are some people that I'm sure that just recently started one or is doing one next year or in the next four years, but, um, uh, you know, before we get into more specifics about your particular uh, field, what uh, what should people expect out of a residency? I'd say um, you should, I mean, I think, you know, all residencies are kind of different, but at the end of the day, you should expect to be sharpened. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, no matter where you do your residency, if it's a great one or, you know, not so established one or whatever, it, it's going to be extremely difficult. Um, but that, you know, that's saying that, you know, pressure turns coal into diamonds and, I think that is a definitely an apt analogy to residency because really what it is is they say that a residency is about three to five years of experience. You know, one year of residency gives you about three to five years of hospital experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not because it just looks good on the paper. It's because you're doing so much during a residency, so many things and opportunities you have to do during a residency that you don't get if you just say graduated and, and went right to working in the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's because since, you know, you're not getting paid the full salary as a pharmacist, you are able to kind of just be in a training ground. So, like, I'm 
residents in general, you're there learning, but you have an expert as your safety net that's teaching you. Yeah. So you can really, you know, go and put yourself out there into patient care, for instance, and, and have a little bit more confidence in learning what you're doing because you have someone there guiding you. If you don't do a residency, you're just thrown out there and you're expected to start working as a pharmacist right away. You don't have people that have the time or the resources to put into you for you to be better individually. You're just kind of expected to be out there. So by being a resident, you have a whole program's worth of resources at your disposal that's mm-hmm. specifically designed to make you a great pharmacist, to make you like the best pharmacist that you can be, to make you a you know independent practicing clinician. Yeah. So at the end of the residency, you're just like during the residency, you're gonna be like, I don't know anything because each day you're faced with a new scenario that you don't know anything about. Yeah. Um, but you know, when I finished my first year. And I started, you know, working with the new PGI ones that came in. Mm-hmm. I noticed a huge difference from when I first started to just that one year of, of residency to mm-hmm. how much more I know, like how many little things that you can, you couldn't really think of like, oh, I know that. But when you're faced with that scenario, you realize, wow, I do know that. I do know this, you know, I'm yeah. a lot better than I was when I started. And that kind of gives you that motivation and that kind of energy to sort of push through <laughs> the second year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You kind of, that progress kind of motivates you to keep going because you did see that there's like, you didn't get to the end of like, oh, that sucked. I didn't learn anything. Like, it's one of those like, oh, that was super worth it. Um, can't wait for the next right. one type of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool, cool. And uh, what's your day-to-day like um, uh, during your residency? Like, like, what's expected of you, you know, like every day, every month, whatever. What's that like? What well, kind of varies, um, you know, first year, to second year. So uh, I'll talk a little bit about the first year. So when you're coming in as a first year, um, you, you don't really know anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And, and for someone to actually know things, you might learn a bunch during your rotations, but people really need repetition before they actually remember everything. So when you first start out as a resident, you don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been like a few months since you've actually been in rotations. There might be students that are in the rotation uh, block at your hospital that may know more than you when you first start and you don't feel very good about that but it's yeah. just kind of the truth um, so at, at the beginning there's not a lot of expected of you the, the, what's expected of you is that you know on a day-to-day basis you come in and you do your best to take care of your patients and you put patients first mm-hmm. because first year is more about um, getting experience in taking care of a, a, an individual patient like direct patient care Okay. so you know, at my institution you know, every rotation is a you know, we're a teaching hospital, so every rotation has a medical team that rounds, and we're a part of that team. So each day, you come in, and you come in early enough to work up your patients and make sure that you're able to, um, you know, know what's going on with them and uh, make interventions on them and make sure that they're getting the best care possible. Well, at the same time, your preceptor is not really expecting you to be great at it. Mm-hmm. They expect you to put in the effort. You know, they expect you to come in and be prepared and, and, you know, be at the level that you're supposed to be at. Yeah. So that's kind of your morning. You know, you come in, you work up the patients, you go on rounds, you talk about the patients with your preceptor afterwards. And then in the afternoon, um, there's usually topic discussions, there's meetings, there's a lot of things that are more um, focused on like the longitudinal aspect of the residency. Mm-hmm. So most residencies have very similar longitudinal projects. You have a research project. You'll have an MUE, where a medication use evaluation, where you're kind of looking at the process of a specific drug and how it's used. Um, you'll have CE presentations that you'll give. It takes, you know, a lot of work. Um, and then throughout each rotation, you'll have different, you know, responsibilities of 
you know, specifically like a patient case presentation or a journal club. So the afternoons are kind of focused around, um, you know, reviewing the patients in the morning and working on the longitudinal type stuff. And that's yeah. kind of how it goes throughout the entire year. Now, as the year goes on, you're, you learn more and more is expected of you. You're expected to be a little bit more independent. You round kind of on your own. Um, and you start to take ownership of the patients um, uh-huh. as you go. Uh, and then by the time you get to second year, um, PGY2, I think we'll probably get into it a bit later, but, uh, you know, when you become a PGY2, you're really training to be like a clinical specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're a clinical specialist, you're an expert in the field that you did your PGY2 in. So your, your knowledge, your expertise is valued on like committees and um, different parts of the hospital leadership where they make the decisions of, you know, we have a hospital-specific order set or a protocol or a guideline, and we want to make sure we have pharmacy represented there. So they'll look to the clinical specialist to take and take their expertise and put it into that committee. So you have a lot more um, leadership and, um, I guess, uh, higher-level patient care things that you have to do as a clinician, and part of PGY-2 is teaching you how to do that. So, yeah. um, you know, as a PGY-2, I'm kind of expected to be pretty good at patient care, um, like, you know, when I round, I round on my own from the start and I have the whole service on my own. That's kind of the expectation. Mm-hmm. And so the, the rest of the day is like going to meetings and being on this committee and, you know, presenting at that committee and, you know, bringing my MUE recommendations that I had from last year and presenting it and bringing it through the ladder of the organization to get it, you know, accepted and approved. And it's a lot more managerial type stuff. Yeah. And then like the next I'm, yeah, like administrative stuff, because, yeah. you know, at, at the ideal position for a clinical specialist is sort of, you know, at a, at a teaching hospital where, you know, you don't have as much um, order verification responsibility. Um, so it's kind of like depends on the hospital and the practice model. Yeah. So like at Orlando Health, where I do my residency, the clinical pharmacists round in the morning and they, they verify the orders on their patients. But at the same time, there's uh, a staff pharmacist that covers the floors. Uh, behind them. So in the afternoons, when there's still orders being put in, you know, the staff pharmacists take over that order verification responsibility so the clinician can go and go and do all that administrative stuff and work on research and work on those guidelines and work on all those things that, you know, really everyone can't do because everyone's not an expert in that area. Yeah, yeah. So, so they kind of teach you more. They, they focus more on that kind of stuff. Right yeah. Here. So being that you just went through a a bunch of stuff on, you know, day to day and and how many different things that you can be doing on a residency, what are some unexpected things um, that that came up uh, in in terms of in terms of doing a residency, whether it be specifically yours or what you found in general? Like, what are some unexpected things that that you really didn't foresee coming? I think there's there's good unexpected and maybe not so good unexpected. So um, I think really for me, maybe it's just as me individually, but um, trying to gauge how long things take and trying to plan out, you know, to manage your time wisely and figure out, you know, how much time you need to actually give something. Mm-hmm. I definitely underestimated that a lot, yeah. especially with the CE presentations, um, you know, because it's an hour long presentation and, you know, the expectation level is higher and you're supposed to be at the end of your research for your CE presentation, the expert in that field. So, you don't realize how much effort actually goes into the things 
that pharmacists do. Like you go, yeah. like for instance, as a student, you go and you see, oh, there's a presentation they just gave, and you think, oh, they just know that and they show up and give it. It's like, no, that was a month of preparation. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. So I think just trying to gauge out like how much time it takes to read one article and be able to break it down and be able to determine whether that was a good or bad article. Yeah, it takes hours. Like you know, you you think, oh, it's just six pages. I can read that pretty quick. But to really like absorb it and understand it, it takes way longer. So that was kind of a shock in the beginning. Yeah. Also, um, like unexpectedly, I guess maybe kind of expected, but unexpected was just, you know, the difference when you're a pharmacist and you verify an order, it's got your name on it. It's not like when you're a student and you're looking at it and you're thinking it's good or bad. It's like the weight of verifying an mm-hmm. order is, is kind of uh, scary in the beginning. Like, you know, even verifying routine orders like uh, fluids, you know, you're just like so freaked out that you're going to do something wrong yeah. and make sure everything's right. And, um, that was definitely an adjustment, just kind of remembering that even though you're a resident and you don't feel like it, you are a pharmacist, yeah, you know, and yeah. you do have a license and, it's, and it is on the line. That, um, and even in community, that, that, you know, that last bit there about that final verification of how like that pressure and like that's on you, that's something that, you know, you know, you hear about your responsibility as a pharmacist, you know, is, is obviously greater when you're out practicing things like that. But you don't truly know. You can't even explain that. You don't truly know how terrifying it is to verify <laughs> something like until you until you have to do it. And you, and then like until that moment right after, like, you know, you verify it, you're like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> was yeah. that right? Like that, that, that type of, uh, you know, that feeling is just one of those things that you'll never be able. You know, it's going to come at some point, but you'll never truly yeah. feel that that feeling until you're there so yeah and it's like a and it's like a healthy fear you know yeah. because it, it keeps you it makes you focus more and to make sure you don't make a mistake yes. and, and that's i think it's good that it's like that but like you said you just don't know until you, you get there um but one other thing i'd say that was probably unexpected in a good way um and again this might be like you know residency specific but just the way that my uh, preceptors treated me um you know they treated me more like a colleague and you know you, you kind of get in the mode as a student to be very professional and be very formal all the time and make sure you address everyone the proper way and you know you're trying to impress everyone but mm. um you know as a resident they just they treat they treat me like an equal and it's like they're just like they kind of welcome me into their their quote-unquote family you know and yeah. they kind of you i just felt like taken care of like i felt like they're there to make me better and you know I wasn't expecting that yeah. you know, to feel like just part of it. And, and I think that made me want to try harder for them. You yeah, know? definitely. You get um, you bought in. Yeah. And, and you can just tell that their, their reason for having me as a resident was for the right reason, you know, mm. it was for, to make me better. It wasn't for any other um, reasons that people may hear about, you know, so that's something to look for. I think when you're, when you're looking for residencies, but yeah. um, you know, I think, I think that's also why I wanted because I don't, I didn't mention in my intro, but I did a nine-month student block at this hospital. Then I did my PGY one at this hospital, and then I stayed on for a PGY two. Yeah. So you know, the thing that's kept me there is just the environment and the culture of learning. I didn't really know how that was going to be until I got into it. So it was, it was a good thing. Yeah. Well, I hope there's a, a residency director out there listening to this, and uh, you know, we'll take that note down about how to properly keep and retain your pharmacists treat them like colleagues man you know treat yeah them like colleagues. yeah and yeah i mean at the end of the day you know we all are on the same team here you know yeah, like definitely. uh 
and everyone has different teaching styles. I'm not going to say that some people aren't a little harder than others, but mm-hmm. I still feel at the end of it that they're being hard on me for the right reason. You know? Yeah, definitely. And and I think, as I was saying, students should keep their purpose in mind. I feel like preceptors that are teaching residents and students should keep the purpose in mind too, mm-hmm. which is that you know they're there to learn. You know, they're yeah. not there for you to have power over them or whatever. You know. Yeah. So I, I wanted to do a, uh, I guess kind of like a like a pro con con pro type of thing, but uh, you've really you've really done a great job at at explaining all the great things that you know and, and benefits that pharmacists get from uh, doing a residency. So uh, maybe you want to talk about little things that um, are not so positive, like uh, anything that you think could be better, or any opportunities you see um, uh, just in general with, with residencies or yours specifically. It's up to you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know you have to be willing to sacrifice. If you really want to get the most out of it, um, you know, you're going to see, for instance, if you do a residency and you have friends that don't do a residency, they're going to have more free time than you. They're going to have more money than you. They're going to be doing more fun things than you. (laughs) So, um, I think, I think everybody kind of expects that, you know, when you go into a residency, but, um, I don't know if everybody's really ready for that. You know, when Mm -hmm. you come in and, you know, you, you come off of work, but you're not off of work. Like when I worked, uh, you know, as a technician, you know, I work a 12 hour shift and it, yeah, it was long and it was hard and stressful. But when the shit, when that time ended, it was over. Yeah. You know, I, in residency, you're never done until yeah. the end of the year because of those longitudinal projects. So even when you have free time, you, your mind is just like thinking that you're wasting time because there's always something that you have to do. Um, so you, you're just kind of like, in a cave for a while. I mean, there's, if there's people that are really good at time management and I, I started to get better at this near the end of the year where when you're planning out, you know, your schedule and your day and and you you have to carve out free time because if you don't specifically plan for an hour to yourself, Mm -hmm. then you will run out because you, you haven't given yourself that time to where you can stop doing what, you know, projects you're working on because you'll have, you'll have to use all that time to get things done. Um, so I think just the the amount of um, effort that goes into it, and just how you're you're kind of always on. You're not really you don't really get to turn off until it's over. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the, the biggest con. But to me, you know, I'm kind of a kind of a glutton for punishment in, in that sense because I know that if it's hard, it's to me it's worth it. I'm yeah. attracted to a challenge. Yeah, you know, I'm attracted to. Good, yeah. yeah, I mean, if I took like a, a month off during rotations and it was good for about a week. And then I just, it's hard for me to enjoy that, you know, cause I, I feel like I'm stagnating. Like if you're yeah. not getting better, you're getting worse, you know? Yeah. So it's staying um, on that constant grind. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's another mindset thing to it. You know, like you got to set your mind to that when you start that, you know, you can't expect to have free time. And if yeah. you do have free time, it's unexpected and it's great. But, and there's uh, some, definitely, there's some people that love that. that. There's some people that love to turn off and, you know, want that time. But, uh, there's, there's others, like, I think you and I, you know, that we just, we're always on, you know, and, and we're always doing something and, um, and that's yeah. just like our happy place. Even, even though like we are stressed, we're not sleeping well, like all that kind of stuff, but you know, that's like <laughs> kind of like our happy place. Yeah. And I don't want to make it seem like, um, it's impossible. You know, I have a co-resident that, um, she's really efficient and like great at time management during the week. And, you know, because of that, she, she allows herself to have, Saturday and Sunday where she's not working a lot. Yeah. You know, 
So that requires, you know, she specifically sets that out to give herself that time, mm-hmm. you know, cause she, she needs that time. Yeah. So I'm not that way. I'm like, I'm not that good. You know, like I, <laughs> I kind of use all my time during the week and then I always have things I need to do still. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely possible, but it just like, it's not going to be given to you. You know, you have to kind of make it possible. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you clearly thought, you know, being where you're at now, you clearly thought a PGY2 was going to be, you know, the best thing for you in your career. Uh, what about the person that's not sure or, you know, uh, how can you better help someone make that decision of whether they, they should be going for a PGY2 or not? This is, again, like where it comes back to knowing, like, what you want to accomplish, like, what your purpose is. Because mm-hmm. any, any decision, you know, I talk about this. People that know me know that I talk about this all the time because it's like, something that I believe to be like a universal truth. And I just feel like I understand it and I want other people to get it, you know, because I feel like it's made my life so much easier when I understood this one point, which is like, when it comes to making a decision, um, you know, stay with me. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here, but it's going to come back to my point. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, when you're, when you're making a decision, there's, there's different parts of your brain, right? So there's the gut feeling, like emotional part of your brain. It's like sometimes you just have a feeling and you feel like it's right. You can't really verbalize why Yeah, that's sort of the limbic system that evolved, you know, prior to the neocortex and the clinical reasoning part of our brains. Yeah. And if you, if you think about a gut feeling that you've had in the past, whether you know the reason why it's good or it's bad, if you don't follow that gut feeling, you're going to regret it. Even if it turns out bad, because that was your instinct. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's sort of the why part of the brain. That's like the center of the central purpose is driven, derived from your like instinctual gut feeling. The other part of your brain that people most of the time use to make decisions, the rational part of the brain, the pro-con part of the brain, that's the neocortex. That's mm-hmm. the what part of the brain. That's all the details. That's like what's good, what's bad. I mean, make a list. I mean, make a pro-con list. I mean, look at this. I mean, look at that. And you find yourself, at least I do, uh, when I try to make a decision using that part of my brain, mm-hmm. I just get caught in all the details. You know, I get caught in like, well, this, these are these are the good things for this side, but these are the good things for that side. Which side's better? Um, but if you can find a way to just trust the gut feeling part of your brain, you will always make the right decision. Even if it doesn't turn out well, you won't regret it, and you'll get something out of it because you'll you'll feel like you followed the instinct. Yeah. So if you know your why of doing a residency and your why of your career. The decision for a PGY2 is not really a decision. So, for instance, for me, I knew that I wanted to have a huge impact. Um, so I knew that in order to do that, I needed to be the best uh, pharmacist I could possibly be in terms of, you know, what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. If I'm interested in clinical pharmacy, I'm interested in giving, you know, amazing direct patient care by also being able to uh, impact on a larger scale by being involved in the committees that develop the guidelines, the protocols, and being involved in the organizations. Then mm-hmm. I need to be an expert. For me to be an expert, I need to do a PGY2. So it wasn't even like a decision. It was just like, for me to, for me to accomplish my why, this has to happen. That's my, it's like, a, this is just a natural progression. So if you start with your why, the decision is made for you. Um, there's other things too, like as far as impacting, you know, being able to educate, um, not just uh, students, but being able to educate the medical team. You know, when you're, um, you can educate in any, in any form or format, you know, you, you educate all the time on Facebook, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me to be able to educate um, 
all members of the multidisciplinary team, I have more opportunities to do that if I'm an expert in my area. Mm-hmm. So as a, as a PGY2 trained clinical pharmacist, I've noticed that their role is as much of like giving interventions on patient care as it is um, explaining to the medical residents and the physicians, you know, why we're doing the specific things that we do. Because you don't think about, at the end of the day, a physician is an expert in what they're trained to be, which is a diagnostician. And they know treatments and they, you know, they, they have a general idea of like the treatment that they should use. But all of the intricacies of medication management, that's us, you know, yeah. pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics, dosing, renal function, like all those things, they don't, they don't even come into their mind. Yeah. So that's what we're there for, to give them that education. So that education part of it is another way that I can have an impact on patient care and to have more opportunities to do education, I need to do PGY2. Yeah. So you can see, like, if I'm thinking always about what my why is, like, mm-hmm. the, the thing that I'm going to do next, I just ask myself, you know, will that help me accomplish my why? Yeah. And if there's any Game of Thrones, uh, I don't know if you're a Game of Thrones fan, but if there's any Game of Thrones fans out there, there may be. You know, Peter Baelish has a quote in the, in the show, you know, where he's talking about the decisions he makes on the show, and he's like, I have one center purpose in my mind that's to sit on the iron throne and every time I make a decision I think will it help me accomplish that that's mm-hmm. exactly what you should do in your real life yeah. you know like just you have to as a student figure out your your why everything else after that will fall into place if you move with that in your mind yeah well I was going to ask like at to close I was going to ask you you know your best advice to a pharmacy student and a pharmacist around this year but I'm pretty confident you covered that to this <laughs> to this episode so I'm going to throw you a curveball here and I'm going to ask you to give your best advice to the practicing clinician pharmacy nurse physician in general your best general advice for the practicing okay. clinician. I would say you know I'm a little biased in my viewpoint right now because I'm a resident yeah. But just just remember that um, you know in in a hospital there's always people that are on different levels of you know expertise and learning and I'm someone that kind of falls in this trap too also um, but always remember that to do what's best for the patient sometimes you have to put up with someone that doesn't know as much as you and it's your job to help them learn. Yeah. You know, it, it, and you can be either be frustrated that they don't know what you know, or you can be someone that helps them learn and helps them get better. Um, so just always remember that at the end of the day, we're all on the same team and we get frustrated with each other. And, you know, sometimes we're stressed in the moment, but at the end of the day, we're all trying to do what's best for the patient from our own point of view. And, you know, just keep that in mind that no one's trying to step on anyone's toes. No one's trying yeah. to take over anyone's scope, but, we're all just working for the, for the betterment of the patient. I think sometimes, you know, in the heat of the moment, people kind of forget that. Yeah, that's true. Maybe their egos come into it. I mean, but. we see that all the time, even in, you know, people at in the community setting at uh, different physician offices and things like that. And um, that's that's excellent advice. Uh, well, Dom, what's the best way that people can reach you in case they have further questions um, about everything that you've given them today? Uh, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really big on social media. So I think probably email would be the best way to go. Okay. Um, so my email is just my name, dominic.curry at gmail.com. And I check that pretty frequently. Um, and I have it on my phone and I'm, I'm always on there anyway, checking my residency email. So if anyone ever wants to reach out to me and ask me a question, I'm always 
I'm always there to answer it. Like I'm always there to help anyone that's kind of coming along. So just send me an email and, you know, you have to also remember I'm a resident, so it may not be like a <laughs> five minute response time, yeah. but keep in mind that I, I will answer. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll definitely link that up too in the description of the podcast. Well, Dom, thank you so much for, uh, for taking this call with me. Uh, it's so much value out of this episode and, and I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. It was a lot of fun. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. I really hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I hope it was as insightful to you as it was to me. Please leave me a comment on Instagram or on iTunes. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Any feedback is going to be greatly appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.